Say, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. All right, turn the Bibles to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. <coughs> I started off last sermon this way, and I got to tell you again. The sermon I'm preaching today came from something I believe the Lord's been laying on my heart. I already had, like I say sometimes, I already had another sermon planned. I had it all written out. I couldn't get a piece about it for anything. I had to kind of lay it down and spend all day praying. Well, Lord, if this isn't it, what do you want me to do? He led me over to a scripture that I'm going to read to you. And I'm going to tell you why I think he's doing this. I think America needs a move of God. Well, we have three people believe that. I think, I think this church needs a move of God. And I, don't, and I don't mean that that y'all are not good people. I don't mean that in that way. I just mean that I think that there's a difference in just having information and transformation. I think there's a difference in God showing up in church. And I think it's, you know, and I just, I just want to see a lot more of a, um, people paying more attention to the things of God because it's so easy to get sidetracked. So anyway, in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I want to read, and um, we're going to talk about the reward of the Lord. So I want to begin with verse 5. Who then is Paul and who is Apollos? But ministers to whom you believed as the Lord gave to each one. I planted, Apollos watered, and God gave the increase. So then neither he who plants is anything nor he who waters, but it's God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters is one, and each one will receive his own reward. Everybody say reward. According to his own labor. We are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. You are God's building. According to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let each one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now, if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, and precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, each one's work will become clear, for the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire, and the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he build endures, he will receive a reward. There's that word again. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss. But he himself will be saved, yet though as through fire. Now, the Apostle Paul here is talking about something that he's very familiar with. And during the Roman days that Paul lived in, there were two kinds of houses that people built. One of them was houses that were built out of rocks or granite. When this scripture says that there is um, precious stones, he's not talking about you know, rubies and emeralds. He's talking about granite. And he's talking about um, marble. And he's talking about materials you build a house out of. 
Then he talks about a house made out of wood, hay, and stubble, or wood, hay, and straw. During the time of, of Paul's of writing the Bible, in Rome, two-thirds of the people in the city were slaves. Only one-third of the population were Romans, and most of the people there were slaves. So very few people lived in rock, nice rock houses, but most of the people that lived there, excuse me, I'm going to keep wiping my nose. I'm recovering, amen. Um, most of the people lived in, in a, what we would call shanties or shacks, houses built out of wood with a straw roof. Now, the reason Paul's using this analogy is because during Roman times, though even though the straw roof was put up quickly, even though it was built fast, people could build a house and move into it and, and sleep in it. Usually, when a fire broke out in the city, didn't have to break out in your house, just in the city, it ended up burning every house in the city down. So you'd come in one day and every house in the city would be burnt except the houses that were built out of rocks. Those were the only things that mattered. <coughs> Excuse me. So Paul is starting off an analogy and he's talking about your and my life. And he's talking about the fact that one day we're going to stand before God and give an account of our life. What are you building your life out of? Now, I want to go back here and I want to read this to you because I want you to pay attention to some wording. It says, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I laid the foundation and another builds on it. And then he goes on down here and it says, if anyone's work which he builds endures, he'll receive a reward. But if anyone's work is burned, he'll suffer loss. He himself will be saved. Aren't you glad that you have a foundation under you that Jesus built and you can't destroy it? Now, now that's just starting off. That's good news. Now, he's saying that underneath you and I is a good foundation, but that foundation is solid. Now, that means that at the end of your life, if everything doesn't go well, at least you don't lose your salvation based on stupid things you did. Everybody say, hallelujah, I'm glad for that, because we've all done some stupids. All right, but let me ask you a question, and I've asked this many, you know, a few months ago, and I use the analogy Oh, we'll use it again. Let's say you're riding through the neighborhood and you see that someone has bought a, a slab and they're living on it and their furniture's in there and the kitchen stuff's in there and you're thinking, what, what are y'all doing? Oh, this is our slab. Well, that's, that's wonderful, but it's going to rain. Many Christians... To them, all there is is Jesus. Well, I th I'm going to tell you something. I thank God for Jesus. But he made a statement, you build. God's not building your house. You are. God built the foundation. There's more to your Christian faith than come to Jesus. That's a good 
foundation. Nothing wrong with that. And if the whole house burns, foundation's there. But he goes on to talk about let a man examine how he builds. That means that you and I have got to start taking a little bit more. We've got to start paying attention to what we're doing because we're the ones that are building. And let me make a statement to you. There are going to be fires in your life. They are going to come. But what did you do when you had the time? Now, he goes on to talk about this. And let me, let me read it to you one more time. Um, Anyone builds on the foundation gold, silver, and precious stones. Well, we understand that gold and silver, people didn't build a house out of gold and silver. But they used gold and silver in the house to adorn it. But they used primarily rocks. How many of you understand that there's a little, going out to a quarry and cutting rocks out of a side of a mountain is labor intensive. Is it worth it? Okay, I'll come over here. I got three grunts and a groan. In the long run, is it worth it to build it out of rocks? Oh, you better believe it. Because whenever the whole city's burning down, you're going to go, well, somebody started a fire in the city again. Well, you don't have to worry about your house. You've actually planned for that. All right. Now let's read this again because he's talking about eternity. Well, that's exciting. There's something that I have done since the day I got born again, and it's kept me. I think about several things. One of them is what is it going to be like to stand before the Lord? That's coming. There's coming a day when I'm going to have to give an account of my life. Now, the reason I said that's important to me and always has been important because I have a tendency to spend time on non-profitable stuff. Do you? Like buying a new truck. Something tells me I'm not taking it to heaven. Something tells me Lisa's not taking her jet ski with her either. There's a lot of things we do in life, they're not wrong, but they're not labor intensive. They're not on purpose. You're not thinking eternity. It says in the book of Ecclesiastes, God has placed eternity in our souls. So he talks here, he says, according to the grace of God, um, there's coming a day, each one's work will be made clear, the day will declare it. There's going to come a day when we're going to stand before God and give an account of our life, and he's going to look, and what did you do? And after the end of it, is it all going up in smoke? Are you actually going to have something to show him for your life? God is not building that. You are. Well, we're just waiting on the Lord. Well, you're backing up because he's waiting on you. Now, I'm going to tell you why I'm saying this. There's a tendency in church today for people to act like the world. The world is not building for eternity. They're living for now. 
I was out riding motorcycles with um, Steve's story. I was actually riding Steve's motorcycle. And I found out that when he lowered it, he turned it into a hardtail. There's a reason that bike's called a hardtail. But I was riding with Steve, and um, I'd asked Steve if I could use his bike. We're going to be doing some videoing for some county commissioners and doing some stuff with it, so we're going to use his bike. But I rode up to us. We were getting gasoline. The other guy on a motorcycle wanted to talk. So the talk turned to um, his age. And I said, well, you're not as old as you think you are. He said, well, I'm older than you are. I mean, I said, well, that really doesn't matter. I said, where are you going to be in 100 years from now? He said, dead. I said, well, I won't be. I'll be in heaven or hell. Where will you be? He said, oh, no, don't start talking to me about Jesus. And he runs off through the parking lot. Let me make a statement to you. That numb nut doesn't know it. That's the most important conversation he would have ever had in his entire life. You ever just sit back and think about, where do you guys think you're going when you die? You're going to hell. You might want to get into a conversation with somebody. And not run through the parking lot and start screaming. Oh, don't talk to me about Jesus. But you know, the world right now that we're living in, everything is for the moment. That's why we're having a sex problem. Because dying and going to hell is not the big deal. It's just whether we had good sex. And then we have a problem with money. Doesn't matter whether you die and go to hell or how you get your money. Just just making more money. And the reason that life is cheap today is because nobody gives any, nobody has any, nobody sits back and thinks about eternity anymore. Well, I'm going to tell you something. I think about eternity. I think about dying. There's going to come a sweet day when we're going to have a funeral like Billy Graham's and I'll be, and I'll be the star of the show. I thought about doing my own funeral and just preach my own funeral. Why not? Somebody's got to do it. Might as well be me. I'm not going to let Josh Brown do it. Lord have mercy. No. I won't let Justin do it either. Man alive. I don't think Lisa's going to be able to. She'll finally miss me. No, I don't know. I'm teasing. But I do think about eternity. I do think about standing before God. And, And am I going to have anything to show for my life? Now, if you don't. If you don't live on purpose, you don't, nobody ever quarried rock without purpose. It's easier to build it out of sticks. I built that whole house in a month. Yeah, well, it took me a year to build mine. Yeah, you wasted a year. We'll see. Are y'all getting this? And I think sometimes, I think sometimes we need to get a lot more eternity minded. What's it actually going to be like? I was listening to the song the other day. Uh, I think there was a movie coming out. I can only imagine where they're doing the life story of the young man who wrote that song. I love that song. And I actually am looking forward to one day standing before the Lord. 
But I'm going to tell you, it's a bittersweet moment. Because I want to make sure I'm doing what I should be doing. And I don't do right without thinking about it. I have a tendency to be lazy if I don't have a Bible reminding me not to be lazy. I have a tendency to want to just hunt and fish and shoot guns and goof off and do non-productive nothing. Thank you for y'all's enthusiasm. Look at the book of Ephesians chapter 2, 8. You're saved by grace through faith, not of yourselves. It's the gift of God, not of works. That's the foundation, unless you should boast. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared that you should walk in them. There's going to come a day when we're going to stand before God and he's going to ask you what you did with your life. What did you do with your money? How did you raise your kids? How was your marriage? How was your Christian? Is there anybody in heaven because of you? And that's not going to happen. That day is not going to be a good day if you do not do it on purpose. That day, if you're going to have a good day when you die, it's going to be because you quarried while you were here. That meant you were digging rocks while everyone else was fishing. You were planning your future. So let me go over some stuff here. Are you building your life with eternity in mind? (coughs) That's quite a statement. Because today, people are building their life with their car, their house, and their job on their mind. That's usually all people have on their mind. And all of that is temporal. You take none of that with you. That is, that's a, that's a, that's a straw house. And yet that's... I'm going to guess 85% of every Christian I've ever met literally walks into church, listens to a sermon, and we don't see you for another week. Don't engage with people. Don't know anybody. Don't want to know. Don't care. You just, let, just I got to go to work. When I get off work, I'm tired. When I come home, I want something to eat. I'm tired. I'm going to watch my television. When I get home, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to go back to work again Tuesday. And when I get, I might be here Wednesday night, but most of the time I won't because I'm tired. And then come Sunday, we're going to flip a coin to see whether we want to come or not, whether the in-laws are in town or they're not in town. What are, you, what are you doing? What are you doing with eternity? Basically, just throwing it in the trash. And yet that's the way most people live. We're going to get into the good stuff in a minute. I'm just building the foundation. Are you using materials for your life now that will stand the test of time? What are you spending your money on? We have the best bookstore in Central Florida right there. And you come along and say, well, you know, those books are expensive. Yeah, well, I saw where you went to eat last week. 
spent $20 a meal on going out to eat, and, and, and there's a $10 book out there, you can't afford it? What are you spending? You just got fatter. Really? Okay, I'll go over here and preach. And yet you didn't do anything about eternity. You know what? There are some things you might want to spend your money on that, that you can actually take with you when you die. Like growing up spiritually. How are you doing in that arena? So let's, let's do a couple more of them. I've got to make you mad before I get, make you happy. Are you building your life cheap for today? Do you not, you do not acquire gold and silver easily. Gold requires sacrifice. You ever seen people in the limit say, I'm going for the gold? What does that mean? That means that there are things they're doing that's different than everybody else so they can get the gold. If you're going to go for the gold in life, that means that there are things when everyone else is out goofing off on Saturday, you're out planning for the day you're going to get the gold. I heard a man one time says, you can either have hair on your face or fur on your wife, but you won't have both. There are lifestyles that are not conducive to making money. Now, I would have argued about that beard thing until the Louisiana boys started becoming millionaires, and I said, well, that threw that one away. (laughs) Boy, that's about the funniest bunch of rednecks I have ever seen in my life. That old man got born again, gave his heart to Jesus, and God blessed the socks off that old redneck. Isn't that amazing? There is a God, and I'm not him. Amen. I want you to look at 1 Corinthians 9 for a minute. Verse 24. Do you not know those who run in a race all run, but one receives the prize? Run in such a way that you may obtain it. And everyone who competes for the prize is temperate in all things. They, talking about people in the world, do it to obtain a perishable crown. We, for an imperishable crown. Therefore, I run thus, not with uncertainty. Thus I fight, not as one who beats the air. (coughs) I discipline my body. I bring it into subjection, lest when I preach to others, I would become disqualified. He's not talking about you going to hell. He's just talking about the fact that you never did anything with your flesh. So you never became qualified for anything of God. All right, now we're going to move on here. I'm going to show you something. We're going to get a little more specific here. Stones require labor. Number one, are you building... You're going to stand before God one day. You're going to give an account of your life. What'd you do? What did you do with your life? Number one, are you building a godly marriage? Now, it's contrary to what you may think. Marriages, good marriages, do not just happen. 
You may think that Lisa and I have a great marriage. We do. But it has been a lot of work on my part. I told Mary Friend one time, I said, it's very hard to train her. And so Mary Friend looked at me and said, you can have a seat. So Mary Friend and Lisa both threatened to throw me out of the automobile. No, I'm going to tell you something. When I married Lisa, I got, I got the best in Central Florida. I actually grabbed the best girl. But I'm going to tell you something. She was a girl. She is young. I was not all that old myself, but I thought I knew something. Man, you don't know nothing. Sometimes you don't know nothing. If you want a good marriage, you're going to buy some James Dobson books. You, oh, yeah, you are, sweetheart. We'll start with you right now. You need some James Dobson books yourself. I always ask young people, I say, are you reading books on marriage? I don't like to read. I said, well, you might want to learn to like to read. I said, you don't know what you don't know. When I got, when I was in Tulsa and I started having marriage problems, I didn't have any money. I had to go to the bookstore. And sit in the bookstore, reading the book on the shelf, mark it, put it back on the shelf and hope no one bought it so I could come back in the next day and finish my book. I mean, that's some serious, that's some serious stone cutting, isn't it? I mean, I'm thinking, my God, I don't know nothing about no woman. Now do y'all understand why I've had such a hard time training her? (laughs) She just don't train good. (laughs) Honey, I like something. She's like, is your leg broke? Oh, rebellious thing, you, yo. <laughs> Next time I'm going to marry an oriental woman. Oh, that's I read a scripture to her one day where Sarah called Abraham Lord. She said, little L, buddy, little L. No, but I'm going to tell you something. Lisa and I have had a great marriage. We really do have one now. We've had one. But I'm going to tell you something. It's work. You're going to learn to get along with someone else. You're going to work at your marriage. It's not going to. And listen, I don't want you coming to this church and going, you know, I'm just pretending like you ain't got no marriage problems. Let me say something. If you're married, you have problems. And I, know, and, I, and I appreciate you working on it. But you're still together. Thank God you had not killed each other. But there's work involved in keeping it together. Now, no condemnation for people who've been through a divorce. Let me tell you something. There are times, the Bible says, as much as is possible, live at peace. And sometimes it ain't possible. 
And at that times, God says God has called you to peace. But I'm going to tell you, if you want a good marriage, you're going to build it. And you're going to work at it. You're going to take her out. You're going to learn what she likes. You're going to learn to communicate with her. You're going to learn what she's trying to say. What were you trying to say? And you're going to be patient. And you're going to be kind. And you're going to be loving. And you're going to buy roses. And you're going to buy cards. And you're going to buy chocolates. And you're going to buy jewelry. And you're going to walk through the mall. And you're going to find the stores with chairs. Take men, when you go shopping, take a book. And if she asks you, and if she asks you, is she taking too long? Say, no, dear, I have a whole book. I walk in, that's the shirt I want, throw it in the basket, let's go. She's going, I saw that shirt at Dillard's, and I think it was 27 cents less. So we're going to Dillard's to see if that shirt is still there. And then after she tries it on, she's going to go, I'll bet you it'll be on sale next week, and I'm coming back. I could save an extra $3. And I'm going, it'll cost us $10 worth of gas. To save $3 on that shirt, buy the shirt. No, don't say that. That's, you're not going to eat dinner if you say that. Get home and you go, honey, what's for dinner? Dinner? What dinner, honey? Okay, never mind. No, in all seriousness, all joking aside, if you want a great marriage, you're going to build it. It's not happening by accident. You're really, you're really going to work on working with that person you married and get along with them and to love them unconditionally. And I'm going to tell you something. The more you put in it, the more you're going to get out of this marriage. Now, Lisa and I still, I, I, how long has it been? 50 years now? 50, 70s? Yeah, it seems that way. I asked her one time. She, says, she said to me, she says, it's 32. Why does it not seem so long? I said, we slept through a third of it. But I'll tell you something, it's been, it's been wonderful to, you know, to, to have a wife that loves God and works together. I'm going to tell you something, working together, this is not easy to do. Why do you think we come in two vehicles? You take your car, I take my truck, and we'll get along real good. No, not really. But, you know, in all honesty, Lisa's a strong leader, I'm a strong leader, but we have learned to work together. All right, now number two, you ready? Are you raising godly children? Go to Ephesians chapter 6. Are they going to heaven with you? Are you on purpose raising godly children? They're not going to just turn out godly. Let me just tell you something right now. You're not going to give them Game Boy and them come out right. You cannot give them uh, uh, electronics and have them babysit your children. We have a policy around my house at Christmas and Thanksgiving. Like the old cowboy days, you leave the phones at the door. You know, sit around my living room on the phone. 
But we're living in a generation now where, where people don't even know how to communicate. If you're going to have a relationship with, with your kids, you're going to work on it. So let me say this for Josh and Karen. Josh and Karen are not here to raise your kids for you. Neither is Jeannie Bowser. You want them to know the Bible, you teach them the Bible. And if they don't like to read, then you teach them to read. And don't ask them if they want to. And while we're on the subject, let's talk about food. If I come over to your house and, and, and we're eating and you say, oh, my little Joey, he doesn't like that kind of food. Oh, why doesn't Joey like that kind of food? Don't you ever cook three meals for three kids? You cook one meal and you give it to your kids and they eat it. And if they don't eat it, then that's what they have for breakfast. Asking your kids permission on what you're to do as a parent. Are you serious? Take your home back. We don't have a gun problem in America today. We got a brat problem. Well, listen, I used to carry my gun to school. Show and tell. On the school bus. What is that, son? It's my, it's my squirrel rifle. We'll leave it up here in the front until you get off. Walk through the school. Put it in my locker. With ammo. And I never shot nobody. I wonder why. Well, my mother would beat me to death. The principal would whip me, my mother would whip me, my father would whip me, and they would wrap the gun barrel around my head. You didn't screw off when I was a kid. There was ramifications for being stupid. If you want godly children, let me read this scripture to us. I'm, I'm meddling, but I got to meddle. I got to do some meddling. <coughs> Six four. You fathers... Do not provoke your children to wrath. Bring them up in the training and the admonition of the Lord. Don't you teach that child, you teach that child about the word of God. And then you you pattern in front of them, Daddy. Let's go back to mom and dad for a minute. When you boys get married, I want you to ask the question: Is this the girl I want to raise my children? I don't care how sexy she is. Sexy don't mean squat. When it comes time to raise those children for Jesus and you go off during the work during that day, you need to know that woman is home raising those kids for the Lord. Teaching them to pray, teaching them the word of God, teaching them to revere God. And when they get home, they teach them to revere daddy. I think, I think we had one child sass once. I won't mention which one it was. That's it. After the others watched what happened, never even entered their mind. I want to tell you something Lisa told me when we got married. This may not be for you, but this is what she told me. She said... When we have children, I'm quitting my job and I'm coming home and I'm homeschooling them. You are going to make the money. I'm not worried about how much you make, 
we will do without some stuff. But for right now, the most important thing in our life is how these boys get raised. That's good woman. She didn't ask me for a jet ski until after the boys were gone. She didn't ask me for a Mustang until the boys were gone. She didn't ask me for a lot of stuff. But since the boys have been gone, she has been asking me for a lot of stuff. (laughs) She looked at me one day. She said, I drove that van because the mama has got to drive the van. But I ain't driving no van no more. I've been wanting a Mustang ever since I was a girl. And I'm getting me a Mustang. And I still don't have a set of keys to it. Now, she will let me drive it only when she gets tired. Driving down the road, honey, you want to drive? How come? You're sleepy. I thought you were. No, I pick on her too much, don't I? You're going to build your children. You're going to build the word of God into them. Let me say something in this. You may not like this a bit. Some of y'all's church attendance is not too good. You know why I show up at the church every Sunday? It's not for me. I've got to set a standard. I got five children and four grandchildren watching everything grandpa does. I do not put my job or business above my walk with God. I cannot afford it. It's too expensive. Because the world is going to do everything in their power to pull them away. And I'm going to set a standard in my house. And Lisa set a standard in our house. Come Sunday, I will be here. And they will learn from that. Doesn't matter, all the money in the world doesn't doesn't fix that. You want good kids, you're going to build good children. If you want them in heaven with you, I want you to ask a question right now. How are you going to handle heaven and find out your children didn't make it? tough question. I, asked, I had the Lord say to me one time, how are you going to handle it if some of your kids aren't their son? You know, let me tell you something, what happens? You start making adjustments in your life. That's what I'm talking about, quarry and rocks. It's a lot harder to build a house out of rock than it is stick. It's a lot harder to live your life on purpose with eternity in mind. So that means I'm going to do things that are going to be different. But I'm looking for the day when I stand before God like Billy Graham. I want to find my wife there. I want to find Che there. I want Ashley there. I want Joshua, Justin, Jordan there. I want Rachel there. I want Reagan there. I want, I want Cody there. I want Tyler there. I want Cody's kids there. I want Tyler's kids there. I want Rachel's kids there. Do you all understand that? I'm shooting for a whole lot higher set of stars here. 
And then when I'm done with that, I want you there. And I want your kids there. And I want you there. And I want your family there. Do you understand that? So there are things I'm going to do in my life that are going to be very different. I'm building something very different. Folks, listen, you understand? I don't get anything out of being here today. I'm not building this church for me. I'm building this church for you. But I'm also going to stand before God and he goes, what did you do with your life? It's just as hard for me to wake up on Sunday and come as it is you. And I'm the pastor. Boy, that went over real well. Look at Genesis 18, 19. Are y'all okay? Everybody breathe. Right now, this younger generation, this is what's on their mind. Dating, Facebook. No, what is not Facebook? It's the, something chat. Slap chat. Instagram. My friends. My purse, my makeup, my dress, my car, my house. I got news for you. Yeah, that's all going up in smoke. Is that, is that it? That's it for you? That's it? Might want to think a little deeper than this. Boy, what y'all doing? You know, young people listen to me. You don't have to get 65 to get smart. You can get smart now. <coughs> when I met Lisa, she was a teenager. Did you know she did not come to my youth group? You know, I thought that was odd. I'm passionate of church. She's what, 16, 17? I walked into the church and I said, are you coming out? She said, no. I said, why not? She said, I don't need a sermon on love, sex, and dating. I've already got my Bible out. I've already started praying about the man I'm going to marry. And I want to be in the adult service here in the Word. And she's 16. I said, somebody going to get a good one when he marries a girl. She never did think like a teenager. She graduated from high school early with 4.0 and left, bought a car, and took off. She's still getting her car and taking off. Every once in a while, I look out there and go, where did that Mustang go? Okay. Now, you stop and think about that. You don't have to be older to start getting smarter. You can get smart right now. Genesis 18, 19. For I have known him, God saw about Abraham, in order that he may command his children and his household after him, that they keep the way of the Lord to do righteousness and justice, that the Lord may bring Abraham. You know, you, you've got to sit with your children in the house and talk about the things of God. The dinner table would be a real good place for that if y'all would eat together again. Boy, don't get me going. 
Did y'all ever think about cooking again? I don't cook anymore. We just do food out. Listen, something got lost when the family stopped hanging around the dinner table at night. How was your day? That's called a house, not a, it's called a home, not a house. That's effort, folks. That's quarry and rocks. It's, you've been working all day and you want to come home and slap some spaghetti down on that you bought at the, 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 the local thing and the kids eat and nobody even had a conversation that night? Well, I'm meddling bad now. And everybody's got their thing they're doing, the direction they're going, and their own little lives all planned to the gills. No, sir. No, sir. Those are your children. They don't belong to the school. Well, the school gave them a lot of homework. Well, sit down and help them with it. And get to know your kids. So that when they have a problem, they come talk to you. They don't get on Snapchat and ask their friends. Because they can't talk to mama. I'll tell you this about Lisa. She talked to the boys about everything. They talked to her about everything. Did I say everything? I mean everything. Jordan still calls. You know what she got for Christmas? Mama bear. Slippers. Can I tell a story on you? You don't mind? Yeah, yeah, I'm going to tell it. When, when Jordan was getting his trucker's license, mama found out that the guy driving him was mistreating him. I mean, cussing him out. So mama got on the phone and called headquarters. And a, and a security came and pulled Jordan out of that truck and hauled that guy off. Jordan thought he was getting arrested. And then they brought another guy to train Jordan. And so Jordan says, mama, something terrible just happened. Something terrible happened. I was riding down the road in my truck, and security pulled me over and pulled me out of the truck and put me in the car and hauled me away. And Lisa's going, should I tell him? (laughs) And she says, honey, I did it. She said, ain't nobody cussing, my boy. And Jordan's like, you did this? That's right. And we're going to get you a good trainer. And mama did it. So Christmas, Jordan got her a set of booties, Mama Bear. (laughs) Mama Bear started growling when someone was messing with her puppy, you know. But she's a good mama. She's a great mama. And so today, Jordan still calls her, calls mom, never calls me. How you doing, Dad? Good. Put mom on the phone. (laughs) I got 10 minutes. Go to 2 Timothy. We're going to do one more this morning. We got next week. I'm not going to get done. 2 Timothy 2. Are you building yourself into a vessel of honor? Are you building yourself? Because if you don't build yourself, you won't get built. Let's read this. 
Let's start with verse 19. Nevertheless, the solid foundation stands having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. Let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. It's time to do that, guys. In a great house, there's vessels of gold and silver and wood and clay. Some are for honor and some are for dishonor. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself, say, I cleanse myself. You know, God's not going to do that. God is not renewing your mind. God is not putting your flesh under. You can cry about your flesh all you want to. And nothing's going to happen until you make up your mind starting today. I will no longer allow that in my life. You might have to turn some TV programs off. You might have to cut some relationships. You might have to cut some people out of Facebook. If you cuss on my Facebook, I hit defriend. You're gone. Listen to your trash. I have enough trouble with it myself without hearing you do it. That's probably one of the only temptations I still have. Every once in a while, I'll say something and go, Oh, why did I say that? So I have to guard the people I run around with. I have to guard myself, really. Okay, never mind. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from the latter, he will be a vessel of honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. There's a lot of people that have a call of God on their life, but they never did anything with it. You know how many people come to me and say, I've called God. (laughs) Really? What are you going to do with it? Because I got news for you. God is watching you to see what you do with what he gave you. You're either going to develop that call or you're going to let it go by the wayside. You're going to waste your life or you're going to do something good with it. You're going to have to make right choices. And that may not always be popular in the culture you're living in. For young girls to say, we're going to the prayer meeting on Monday night. That's not normal. But I'll guarantee you, in the long run, it'll pay off. You want to marry a girl that goes to prayer meetings. And you want to marry a guy that goes to prayer meetings too. And leave everything up to the woman in the house. Are you out of your ever-loving mind? The woman leads the home. woman takes the children to church. The woman does it. The woman reads the, the dad. He just watches television. Oh, boy. I got one more and we're going to close. Are you building healthy relationships? Now, this one may be the biggest one of the day. Listen to me very carefully. There's two kinds of people in your life. Those that are further along than you and those that are not doing as good as you. Those are the two relationships you're going to have in your life. Lisa and I go out of our way to build a relationship with men and women of God that are further along than we are. Do you understand that it is not easy to have a relationship with Mark Hankins? Do you understand that we will be leaving in a couple of weeks and driving to Louisiana in order to keep a relationship 
with someone who's further along so that we can grow? You're going to have to go out of your way to go places and be in places where you're going to grow spiritually. There was a time when people in Copeland would come to town and people would stop what they're doing and go to the meetings. There was a time when Andrew Walmart would come to town and people would stop what they're doing and go to the meetings. Can I say something to y'all that won't, you won't like? It'll make you mad. When I have Mark Hankins in this church, why are you at home? That's one of the greatest men of God walking the earth and you're at home? Have you lost your mind? I was busy. Yeah, you were. You were building straw. Too strong? Okay, I'll stop right there. Yeah, you need it. Let me tell you something. Lisa and I have a friendship with Mary Frances Varallo. Boy, that's a God thing, guys. And you know what? It's not easy. Because she's a wash, she's a, she's a, not a Washingtonian. She's a Nashville elite. She don't think like, I'm a Georgia redneck. We don't think alike. And I'm going to tell you, when I hang around her, I'm getting corrected all the time. I found out that the valet parks the car, not me. I park my own car. She goes, well, the valet does it. I said, Mary Frank, the valet. <laughs> yes, ma'am. The valet. But I'm going to tell you something. That relationship has been so beneficial to Lisa. We, she has stretched us. We've grown. You're going to have to work to hang around people that are further along than you. They're not going, they're, they're, they don't, they don't take kindly to you goofing around. They don't like it. For Jerry to run around with Kenneth, it cost him something to do that. Did you know that when Jesse met Kenneth Copeland, he was broke and couldn't buy gas for his rundown van? God opened a door for Jesse Duplantis to know Kenneth, and he dove in that with both feet. And he made that relationship work to his advantage. You're going to have to make up your mind whether Sunday morning is important to you or not. Are you all out there? Did you go home? You're going to build relationships. Now, I said I wasn't going to say nothing else, but I am. If you come in this church and you sit and listen on Sunday and then you walk out and we don't see you again until next Sunday, why is it you're not building a relationship with people? Because it's hard to do. That's quarry and stones. The second group of people you're going to need to build relationships with is people who are not as far along as you. And you get no benefit out of it. I'm going to brag on somebody if I can. When this lady came to church here, she wasn't doing good reading or writing. And Crystal 
took the time to spend time with her to help her with a walk with God. There will always be people God will send along for their benefit. And you're going to need to sow it the other direction. You've been pulling on people bigger than you. Now you're going to need to take the time. Let me ask you a question. When you die, who's going to be in heaven because of you? That's a heavy thought. Because you're not taking your car. Not taking your truck. You're going to take your wife. You're going to take your kids. And you're going to take your friends. You got, we got five more minutes. Let's get on this thing for a second. The Good Samaritan was a businessman. It was an inconvenience for him to stop and take care of that guy. There are people that God will bring in your life. And they're going to need you to make it. It needs to be a lot more about church than you coming and hearing a sermon and you disappearing like Batman until your sign is in the sky again. It is an inconvenience, guys, to have friends. Building friendships is quarrying rocks. It's building a house. Now, I'm going to tell you something. We just had Billy Graham's funeral. How many people do you think met that man? When Smith Wigglesworth died, he was an ignorant plumber. He never read a book but the Bible. He didn't start his ministry until he was in his 50s. How many people do you think he stepped into glory and met him there? How many people are reading his books right now? John G. Lake. We could go on down the line, folks. There are people who built for eternity. So here's my question. Are you building for eternity right now? That's a big question. What are you doing right now? What are you doing this week? Now, I'm not talking about just your job. You all got your job. What are you doing this week to guarantee that when you stand before the Lord, there's actually going to be fruit there. There's actually going to be a reason you lived and died. I want there to be. This is a good sermon, isn't it? Yeah. And unless, now listen to this, my whole sermon is this. Just listen to this. Unless you're doing this on purpose, it won't happen. You'll ignore your neighbor until you stop and go. Yeah, you know what pastor said. Let me stop what I'm doing and go over and visit her. We have an elderly neighbor, Mrs. Young. She's not. And Lisa will stop what she's doing, go over there. Joshua goes over there, mows her grass. She always makes him cookies. There might be a little bit of a sweet lady. But you know what? Lisa's busy lady. She's busy, busy, busy. Got a church to run. Got me to run. Got everything to run. And yes, she's over there taking care of Mrs. Young and praying with her and making sure she's okay. Are you all seeing this? A little bit more to life. And that's not a relationship that Lisa gets a benefit from it. She's a senior. She can't do much for Lisa. She can't do much for me. 
Yet when the hurricane hit, Joshua and I went over and cleaned her yard up and just cut up the firewood and threw it out to the road and mowed her grass for her. Are y'all out there or y'all go home? It's two kind of relationships. Those that are further along than you and those that need you to get ahead. And they're sitting around the room right now. They need you. They come in here, they're hurting. They ask for time. Don't say you're busy. The next time you show up at the hospital, if nobody comes, that's your friends. Boy, that's heavy. Those are the people you, those are the people you went to the hospital and saw. Can we stop right now? It's 12 o'clock. The Baptists are getting out. Well, they got out 37 seconds ago. I'm bad, aren't I? Hey, I love you guys. I want us to do something in this church. I want us to start thinking a little bit more about eternity than just right now. Let's start building something in our lives a little more permanent than the way the world builds their lives. They're just living for right now. The young people, that's the model they have growing up, build for right now. They need some models. They need, they need parenting. Well, I'm not done with this, but to be continued. I want y'all to do something with me. I'm going to make a confession. I want you to follow me in this. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to thank you that I have an opportunity to build something good. The way that I build my life is up to me. Starting today, I'm going to start building with permanent materials. I'm going to work on my family. I'm going to work on my relationships. I'm going to work on myself. So when I stand before you, I have something to show for my life and not live just temporary. I thank you for this opportunity in Jesus' name. Amen. Boy, that was a thought-provoking sermon, wasn't it? Are you- thank you for listening to this powerful message by Pastor Daryl Morgan. We hope it blesses you. If you would like more info on Word of Life, sermons, and free downloads, please go to wordoflifeapopka.com. Thank you and have a blessed day.